Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Live Free Podcast. This is episode number six. Mike here with JD, as always. And today we're going to be talking about vacation hacking, a new term that we coined ourselves. Um, but today, before we get into the episode, um, I want to just ask if you guys learned something or if you enjoy your time listening to this podcast, so you do leave us a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. It really helps out a lot and lets us know that you want to hear more from us. Uh, how are you doing today, JD? I am doing great. I had a little stop at the Jersey Shore today. Some excellent vacation hacks down there. Um, really excited to get into this. Uh, coining new terms always fun, but diving into the the deals and the details are always even a little more fun. So I'm excited to get after it. That sounds super cool. All right, we're gonna get right into it. So, what exactly is vacation hacking, and what does it differ from with uh, house hacking? Yeah, sure. So. House hacking, as you guys all know, is when you buy a duplex or multi-unit and move into one unit and out the others. If you're house hacking, you buy the house, you rent it out to the to some roommates, some of your friends, and just try to cover your mortgage, make a little rent on the top. We are taking this to a whole new level in a term we call vacation hacking. And what that allows you to do is still get fantastic leverage. You're getting into the houses at 10% down. It's a little more than the three to five you see in a traditional house hack, but way better than 15 to 20%. And the best part is you still get that same kind of primary home rate. So you get a much better rate, you get much higher leverage, and you're going to be buying a vacation house or also called by lenders, a second house that you can rent out when you're not using it. So it all goes right back into the sharing economy. This is what Airbnb was made for. And I'm excited to discuss how this can work for all of our listeners out there. Yeah, and this works in every market, right? Not just the Poconos? Yeah, and that's something to remember as we go throughout the episode. We're going to be talking specifically a lot about the Poconos. That's our go-to vacation market. But if you're listening from another state, maybe you want to have a vacation home in Florida or somewhere in California, uh, out in Nevada, Colorado. There's a lot of super cool places that, that Mike and I have been to, and I know you guys may live a little bit closer and, and want to have a vacation home there. So this kind of lets you get the best of both worlds in using the place that you have, but more so renting it out and never having to pay for the place that you're vacationing. I don't know if that sounds cool or what. That totally sounds cool. And is this something that pretty much all lenders offer? Or is this more like lender specific? Yeah. I mean, it's lender specific. Every lender has their, their own niche that they cater to. Uh, we use PenFed Credit Union. Uh, they do only primary and second homes. So they're very great to go for, for any type of house hack or vacation rental. Yeah. Okay. That is super, super good. All right. Let's move into. Another thing I want to throw out is that in order to get a vacation home loan or a second home loan, again, it is your second home. So you have to already own a primary somewhere. This method is going to be really good for anyone who already has a house hack and wants to get going on something else. Where super important to touch on. Um, You don't want to do this for your first one. Yeah, I mean, you, you literally can't. And on top of that, if you just got a house hack, you're not going to be able to house hack again right away, whereas you can buy a vacation home again right away. I've seen some of my clients uh, buy rentals and then go on and buy a vacation home uh, just a month or two later. And it's a really good strategy to keep moving with that high leverage, great interest rate. Mm, yeah, so right when you, as soon as you get your first one, and if you're ready for your next one right away, you can just move right into that and you don't have to step it up to that 20% right away, which is kind of nice. 
Yeah, totally. And the only caveat to it is it has to be a certain distance from where your primary home is. So you can't just buy the house next door that you're already house hacking and say that now you're going to vacation there to get away from your tenants. As believable as that is um, to try to avoid some of those tenants, it's uh, the bank's not going to let that go. So there's a certain mile radius you have to be away. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it is, whether it's 25 or 50 or 75. Uh, we'll have to look that up. Um, if any of the viewers out there want to want to toss that bone in, that'd be great. Uh, but for primary vacation markets, a lot of times the places we like to go are are decent, reasonable amount of distance away. So for us, the Poconos is only maybe 60 miles away, and that works out great for us. Yeah, I mean, that sounds pretty good. Um, all right, so let's jump in right into it. Um, how many units we have in the Poconos, um, and are any of these uh, uh, these type of loans? Yeah, so we have 16 units in the Poconos now that we manage. Um I would say about half of those are, are ones that I own. And this market has been thriving. Uh, one of the reasons we really like it is to get kind of a mix match from the urban market that we concentrate in. Um, we're pretty heavily concentrated in Philadelphia. Now, for those of you guys who own a lot of urban rentals, uh, but want to get into a different niche, short-term rentals can be really good, uh, especially in these traditional areas and markets. And vacation home loans are just perfect for that. Um, to get leveraged right in uh, and start playing the game. Yeah, I think that might be how I get my second place would probably be a, a vacation home just because I don't have to put down that, that 20% right away. Um, I can just skip right to that, that, that next 10%. Yeah, totally. And then really cool thing about a lot of the places that um, our clients have got or we have got is when you look in a, a traditional short-term rental market or a vacation rental market, you're going to see that a lot of these places are already furnished. So on top of say with a house hack where if, if you're living in a unit, um, I know if it's other units, you can get them to get their own furniture. But a lot of times if you're living in the unit, then you're going to get a lot of the common area furniture. Whereas with some of these vacation homes, they're going to come furnished. That saves you a ton of cash on cash and a ton of opportunity to stack up and get to the third one even faster. So uh, that's one huge takeaway for vacation homes is that cash on cash play. Yeah, that's totally what I've been seeing, especially in the Poconos, is a lot of the people like to furnish these houses, um, whether they lived in it before or they just kind of like staged it with some furniture. Um, it's a lot of work to get somebody out into the Poconos to take that furniture out. So you might as well just sell the house with the furniture in it, and that can save you easily eight, nine, ten, anywhere from that to 15K of, of extra cost that you'd have to put in if, if it didn't come furnished. Yeah, totally. Uh, and I'm really glad you brought that up because I've seen a lot of negotiations going down on vacation rentals. I mean, th this market's hot. You're seeing vacation rentals sell left and right. You're seeing people itching to get in left and right. And a lot of times what happens is both parties think they have so much leverage, right? The, the seller thinks, oh, my furniture is worth so much. They're going to have to pay so much to do it, which is true. Um, if you're doing your own design, like Mike said, you could be facing upwards of $15,000 in extra costs. But at the same time, the buyer's looking at it like, hey, uh, if I don't take this, you're screwed. You're going to have to take it somewhere else. Chances are you don't have somewhere else to put it. And even if you do, that's a pain in the ass. So both sides think they have a ton of leverage. The seller's going to want you to pay basically retail or somehow even more than what they paid for it. Uh, the buyer's going to want to get it for totally free and get it included in the deal, which a lot of times it, it all really comes down like every real estate deal does to purchase price. Um, if you're giving them a fair price or you, you nicked it up just a little bit so that you're getting your furniture financed in there, um, then you're, you're both going to be, be happy. 
And that's really kind of the sweet spot that I see most of these deals land at is somewhere between three and 5,000 for the furniture. You tack it onto the purchase price. You don't put that on the original agreement of sale because then the bank's going to throw a fit. You try to get an addendum and try to get that looped in there. So that way everybody wins. You got to finance a little bit of the extra cost. You save yourself the hassle of interior design. The seller got a little more money. They didn't get anywhere near the 15K they told you they wanted. They get maybe three to five. Everyone walks away a little uncomfortable and that's the sign of a good deal. That's how you make the deal work. It's how you make it work. All right, let's uh, let's jump into a little bit of uh, the revenue and some of the numbers we've been seeing in the Poconos. Um, let's start with uh, let's start with the last month. Um, what have we been seeing in the last month in terms of revenue for for all those sixteen places? If you got that number, yeah, totally. So, just to break down a little further here on this episode, um, we have a, a set of units that were seller finance. We've had them since September. So I have numbers for those guys all the way throughout to end of July. And then I have the rest of our portfolio separated from that. Um, and the reason that is, is it just makes the data a lot more clean. Um, it doesn't kind of factor in months that we were adding in units uh, and it kind of keeps apples to apples. So when we talk about what we're seeing in terms of revenues for the past month, we'll see that across our normal portfolio with more of our, our traditional vacation style units, um, we had $37,000 of revenue in July with 65% occupancy. Um, these same units, since they were online, were averaging about 51% occupancy. So July is a pretty good month. Um, traditionally, when you look at all the data in at least the Poconos market, and every market's different, you guys. Vacation markets all have different reasons people will come and visit. The Poconos for us is a very rustic escape. It's mountainy. Um, there's a lot of hikes, there's ski slopes. So they actually tend to perform a lot stronger in the winter. Um, the fall is really good. Spring can be pretty good. And then summer is very unit dependent because with a lot of our guests coming from New York or Philadelphia, the Jersey shore is super hot. So you're actually going to see a slowdown and a slight slowdown in the Poconos when it comes to occupancy and revenue um, in the summer because everyone else is, is down the beach. Once the beach shuts down outside of those summer months, the Poconos is where it's at. And now the only exception to this tends to be those, those bigger party style houses, because those houses, they're going to see high revenues, low occupancy still, but they're going to see pretty high revenues just from those bigger groups coming in. Um, whereas you can't, you're not going to get the same experience going down the Jersey shore. You can still rent a party house down the Jersey shore, but the premiums you pay to be down the shore in the summer versus the slight premium you're getting for a big group in the Poconos, they're just two different markets entirely. Uh, and that's, that's what I'll say about kind of different markets and different occupancy rates up in the Poconos. Yeah, I totally agree with all those things. Um, that all sounds just, just about right. I would much rather honestly go and spend a little bit, uh, a little bit more in the, uh, in the Poconos, maybe even a little bit less, um, during the, the summer months, um, instead of going to the shore with, with a bigger group of people have a little bit more fun. You're a little bit more spaced out. So you can be a little rowdier, you know, um, that's, that's what I would prefer, honestly. Yeah, they're, they're just two different markets. You, you nailed it, Mike. And I know um, you find yourself down the shore every here and there. I know you find yourself up in the Poconos. They're two different vibes, two different atmospheres. Uh, but to get back, back to what we were really trying to focus on today is th what kind of occupancy you can see in a vacation market. Remember, you're on the short-term rental platforms and your rates are significantly higher than whatever you'd see for a long-term lease. Uh, and that way, even if you're seeing 40, 50, 60, 70% occupancy, you're still making double to triple than what you'd make renting out a long-term rental. 
I think that's what the key takeaway is here. Now for our sweet pea portfolio, which is the units we sell our finance and the ones that we've had a year of data for, we've seen 73% occupancy, most months being 80 to 90%, um, just a little slowdown in getting into like the high 50s, low 60s uh, in some of these summer months. Whereas the rest of our portfolio, as it has come along, is about 51% occupancy in the Poconos. Um, some of these houses are quite a bit bigger and they just clean up on weekends and then you try to make some extra margin on the, the weekdays. Yeah, I mean, that all sounds pretty good. Um, so what would you say the best, the best month is out of the entire year? That's a great question. And I think a lot of people are going to be pretty surprised with this one because it didn't matter whether we were looking at our smaller sweet pea units or whether we were looking at our larger units. The best month of the year is drum roll, bop, 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 December. December, even without the highest occupancy, brings in the most revenue. You get a lot of people spending the holidays in these areas. You're going to get Christmas. You're going to get a lot of time where people are off, burning days at the end of the year to go on vacation. They're not trying to be too far. They've got a ton of other stuff to go to, meet up with family. But there's times if you see your family on Christmas, you see your family on New Year's, you just saw them at Thanksgiving, you're going to need a break from family in between there. You're going to take a weekend up in the Poconos or take a couple of days off and um, flex them in the Poconos. So December is really where you see a lot of money come in. Uh, and I'm sure that's across the board in the short-term rental space. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want to spend a nice little uh, Christmas vacation in the Poconos, you know? Totally. I see so many groups. I hear about it all the time, especially now that uh, people know me as the short-term guy. People are constantly hitting me up around New Year's, usually too late because we're pretty booked out. But there are so many people who have traditions of going up with a group of 20 or even 30 people. They New Year's with the same people every year, and they're looking for a place to stay. They waited too long, and they're asking me to see if I have something available. Chances are it's very unlikely that I do at that point. But uh, yeah, New Year's can be really popular for all types of people to get out there and, and switch it up. Yeah, I mean, sounds, sounds just about right. All right, let's get into what is the loser month? What month sucks? Now, that's a great question. So that's really going to depend on the type of unit you have. So for our smaller units, we're seeing that the summer is just a little bit drier. Um, like I said before, the bigger units where you're catering to larger groups who might go up there and look for a different experience as opposed to the romantic getaway, um, those units can still perform very well in the summer. Uh, but the smaller units, they struggle in the summer. The larger ones, however, you're probably seeing a slowdown more around September-ish. Um, and that's usually because everyone's going back to school. You have a lot going on. People are, when they do have time to get away, they're booking uh, smaller groups, smaller trips. So the larger houses take a little bit of a bigger hit come the, the early fall. Yeah, I mean, that's, that sounds pretty good. Um, yeah, a question I did have was... Um, what are the returns like um, differing from like the smaller places to the, to the much bigger places? And then maybe in like the middle bedroom in between. So I mean like one bedroom, two bedroom versus like a three bedroom versus like a five or six bedroom. Yeah, that's a great question, Mike. And again, this is probably going to apply to most markets because there's just such a high demand for smaller units. And they're really, the houses have not historically been built to cater to anything but a family. So you're seeing these three to four bedrooms. There's just so many of them on the market. The Poconos, especially a lot of these communities are from the 1960s. Uh, every three to four bedroom 
has to compete with such a larger share of places. So smaller units tend to really outperform. There's not nearly enough supply of small units, and that's why we're super excited to get into our 43-unit deal we've got going on, which features 28 different little cabins and bungalows that are all small and going to hit that niche and that demand. Uh, that's why our sweet peas are killing it. It's not that you can't make money with three to four bedrooms. So I've seen three to four bedrooms. Usually when we run these analysis, if you have the right house, you have the right amenities, you have something special, you can stand out against everyone else. You're going to be in that 60 to 80% occupancy mark. You're going to be getting great rates and you're going to end up somewhere between 15 and 30% cash on cash. The thing with these smaller units is if you're at 80 to 90% occupancy and there's not much else on the market and you're going to end up bringing in 30 to 50% cash, no problem. Now, the interesting piece is the bigger houses. You, you're going to see these bigger houses, 30 to 50% occupancy, um, which sounds super low compared to the rest, but those rates are so high that if you can just get booked and stay in that 40 to 50% occupancy mark, you have all the right amenities, you're bringing in those bigger groups, there's no doubt you can be 20 to 40% cash on cash. But my eyes would be on the smaller stuff. I think it's a, a lot safer. I think there's a lot more consumer demand there. In times of recession, you're still going to see all types of people traveling for a weekend getaway to somewhere local um, where they can drive to, as opposed to people really putting together something big and having to have someone front a uh, $6,000 weekend up in the Poconos. In recession, people aren't going to front the 6000 but when their girl or boy wants to get, have a getaway, they're going to pay four or five, 600 bucks to, to make their, their significant other happy. And that's a lot easier to, to pull off. Yeah. So you'd say probably your ideal portfolio, you'd have mostly the little, the little one bedroom, two bedroom ones. And then you throw a little, uh, a few of the, uh, I don't know, the bigger ones. And then maybe like a few of the, the medium ones, like the three bedroom, four bedroom ones. Yeah, and I guess if, if anyone out there was like looking for an end all be all on what size unit to have, every market's different. So we've run 20 different markets in the past two months all over the country. And the crazy thing is, uh, depending on what market you're in, there may be one specific asset class, whether it's the larger houses or the more luxury houses or the smaller, whatever you want to kind of try to profile these houses, every market has a different asset class that outperforms the others. So what I would tell everyone, if you want one specific answer on what to look for, find something Instagrammable, find something you'd want to stay in. If you're not going to take that listing, um, if you're not hype, so hype that you can send it out to your mother and tell her you're taking her there on Mother's Day, then it's not the right house. She has to be hyped for it. You have to be hyped for it. Once you get something under contract, it's got to be that thing that you want to post everywhere and be like, I just got this under contract. It's going to be sick. Let's go up here and celebrate. If that's not the type of place that you're getting under contract and you're just like picking something out because the price looks good and you think you're getting a sweet deal, guess what? When it comes time for guests to look at it, they don't care that you got it for a sweet deal. They just want to know, is this place sick? Am I going to have a good time? It's vacation money. People care about experiences. Look for a good experience and the money will come. Yeah, there's nothing better than being able to brag on Instagram about the house that you don't own. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a great quote, Mike. I'm stealing that. You're going to have to, bro. It's, it's fire. Just quote me. Just quote me. I might just rent it from you, actually. <laughs> I'll let you do it. I'll let you do it. All right. Um, real quick, how are, how are the guests in the Poconos compared to other markets, um, specific, uh, specifically uh, like Philly, because we're uh, pretty much in there mostly? Yeah, totally. So uh, let me speak a little bit to a couple different markets that we have. So the Poconos, we've got 
uh, units in Hawaii. We've got units at the Jersey Shore. We've got units in Fort Myers, Florida. Those are our vacation style markets. We also are really heavy in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. And the kind of guests that you'll get are going to depend on two factors. One, those locations. Your units are going to get much easier to deal with tenants in these vacation markets uh, for the most part. People are mostly from out of town. They're going up there. They're just trying to have a good time. They're in good spirits. Uh, the one thing I would say though, is it is their vacation and they are spending money based on an experience. So the level of caliber that you have to keep your rentals at is 10 times higher because everything matters that much more to them. Um, your, your average daily revenue is going to be much higher. Uh, you're just going to deal with a more higher end client. So if you're ready for that, that's great. And that's, that's how we kind of approach it. Now, the second thing you have to remember is the conversation we had about unit size. So if you're picking out that six bedroom house, vacation house that everyone's going to throw their bachelor and bachelorette party in, you better bet your ass that there's going to be some holes punched in the wall. There's going to be some things happening that you as a homeowner would never have imagined doing. I mean, I'm talking people swinging off ceiling fans and all types of crazy stuff. Now, you can vet these people going in, you know what they're up to. Um, most people are not there to destroy your house. But if you stick to the smaller vacation units, the romantic couples are much less likely to do anything um, that's going to damage your house than these bigger party groups. So just pick, keep in mind the type of guests you're catering to and who your client market are and just underwrite for those expenses. So if you're doing the larger houses, maybe expect triple the furniture replacement that you would in a smaller place and then you'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, that's not bad. You, you are going to obviously deal with, like you said, um, a higher caliber of client. But you also have to keep, you know, your standards that much higher. Um, let's talk a little bit about this, this upcoming Margaritaville. Oh, boy. Yeah, so that's another reason that we like the Poconos and wherever you guys are looking. Um, the market is really hot right now. It's, it's cooling down a little bit, but I think it's going to be more of a slowdown than it is a, a true cool down or pullback. So when you look at a vacation rental market to get into, you're gonna wanna make sure that there's a lot going on outside of just rising prices because prices are rising. You're gonna wanna see a lot of development or other cool things coming into the area so that you know wherever your vacation rental is parked, uh, there's gonna be a lot more reasons to be up there as time goes on. And that's what we've got in the Poconos. So they're putting in a $1.3 billion development uh, called Margaritaville uh, Pocono Mountains. It's right up where the old Pocono Manor was. They're going to be doing a camp Margaritaville. They've got uh, retail stores. They're opening a fitness center, cheeseburger and paradise restaurant, a five o'clock somewhere swim up bar. All the, the RV resorts are going to have pickleball courts. There's going to be kids clubs, dog parks, you name it. Uh, you can picture the, the whole nine yards, the golf carts, the hammocks, the Adirondack chairs, you it's it's there so they're building over a thousand uh build for rent cottages up there uh on top of everything else they're doing with some vacation style townhomes that are supposed to be kind of forever homes and forever vacations and i thought that concept was really cool right is they're not just trying to build an area that's super touristy they're also trying to build uh, a set of homes that's going to be for people who want to just live there and live in vacation land so that just really struck out to me. Um, it's so cool to see that the Poconos is getting a, a billion dollars poured into it. They're talking about having Amtrak go from New York and Philadelphia straight into the Poconos. That rail line will make it so much more accessible. Uh, and that's the same reason we wanted to open our resort there. 
Uh, we're not far from Margaritaville. We see all of the development and everything that's going in on up in the Poconos. It's just that area is a vibe, and you're not going to be able to beat it. Yeah, not at all. That that sounds amazing. Um, is there any quote on when that'll be done by chance? They they put them on there or not really? Yeah, no, they did actually project it. So I'm not just making this stuff up. Um, the everything's already kind of set, and the plans are ready to go. The construction's going to start in 2023. They're planning on opening in mid 2024. So we are uh, a little less than two years out, according to these plans. And if I've learned anything from developers It'll in my day, way longer. <laughs> you can always expect people to finish a little later than when they say, as opposed to a little earlier. So if I were you guys, I would expect this to be coming out uh, mid 2024, anywhere to mid 2025, if I had to really put somewhere something on it. But if I'm a developer, I'm getting that shit done before December because that's the hottest month for <laughs> term rentals. So if I had to guess, it's going to be November 2024. Wow. I'm super excited for that. Honestly, I think we're going to have to go out and check it out as soon as it's, as soon as it's done in a few years. Um, we'll do some spy work, Mike. Don't you worry. We're going to have, uh, to, we're going to have to take some of their secrets. <laughs> that's right. It's uh, we'll, we'll be giving them run for their money with our uh, 43 unit res resort, uh, hearth and fire. So we'll see what we can do. Um, we've got a, a couple plans. We've got some pretty sick fire pits and meat cooking and uh, maybe some axe throwing Ooh, uh, maybe. in the mix. You're not going to have a swim up bar, but that's okay. We, uh, you know, we'll, we'll survive. We got a little bit less of a budget to work with than they do. So, you know, we got to, we got to keep it low. Though. We got to keep it low. And uh, by the way, guys, we did do a whole podcast on the 43 unit. Um, if you want to go check that out, feel free. Uh, we went deep dive into the, all the numbers and, and everything there is uh, going on there. So that is there if you want to check that out. Um, yeah, our renovation budget is in the hundreds of thousands. Um, if you guys want to take down my Venmo, it's at live free with JD. If we can raise um, maybe a hundred million, you guys can get a swim up bar. We'll run it, run it up, guys, run it up. <laughs> All right, I think that's pretty much it for the the, the vacation hacking part. Uh, I'm ready to jump into uh, the, the deep dive we have for, for one of our units, if, uh, if you are. Oh, Mike, you know I'm always ready. <laughs> okay, okay. So, deal deep dive on this one. So, the uh, the address is Sweet Pea in the Poconos. Um, and then, you want to explain a little bit? You want me, want me to dive in a little bit? Yeah, so I'll preface it with uh, the fact that we acquired these units late August. So we've got numbers from September of last year up through the end of July right now. So 11 months of numbers for you guys. Uh, we've got four little bungalows that range from zero to two bedrooms. We've got a separate two-bedroom house about five minutes away. And then we have two vacant lots. Unfortunately, those two vacant lots haven't made us uh, very much money in the past 11 months, um, actually zero. So we're talking about a $1.2 million package deal with five active units. And that's what I can uh, spill the beans on today. Okay. Super interesting. Um, and there's a little bit of a story behind how these came about, right? These, uh, these, these few units. Yeah. So we were checking out the Poconos market. We knew that Philadelphia was uh, tossing around some regulatory ideas and we wanted to just go scope out another market. Uh, we looked at a couple single family houses that day. We saw this, portfolio being offered um, directly by the seller. So we met up with him toward the place. Uh, we, we fell in love with it. We could tell he loved it. Um, he wanted to hand it off to someone who would care about it. And since we've gotten it, I've been up at those things probably every two weeks um, that I've been 
not in Hawaii. Um, these are just super cool to go to. I'll go in there on vacant days, but we were able to, to get it seller financed. We got the package for 1.2 million. We put $60,000 down. So for those of you guys out there, that's 5%, which is a uh, fantastic leverage on a portfolio. Uh, we ended up paying another 30,000 in just title insurance, all the closing costs, yada, 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 yucky stuff that doesn't make you any money. Um, but we've been doing pretty well. So, uh, what do you got for me, Mike? What do you want to know? Um, I was told these were built by the owners. Is that correct? Yeah. Super cool. So it was, uh, a dude and his husband, they were moving to Mexico to finish building their mansion down in Mexico. Um, but in the previous years, they had actually built the first unit, lived there and started building out on the other parcels on the property, ending up with the four that they have. Now they had a fifth lot that's right next to it that we're going to build on that they never got to. Um, but they, they built everything themselves. They're pretty crafty. Um, hopefully they'll, they'll let us take a visit to their, their Mexico mansion at some point. But, uh, for now we just get to admire the, the craftsmanship they've had in these, these little bungalows. Yeah, that's, that's super cool. Hopefully we get the invite. That would be super cool. Um, by the way, guys, a little Easter egg. We did just record a YouTube video in one of these cabins, by the way, go check that out. Um, all right. All right. Uh, is there any, are, is there anything like significant nearby like lakes or any, any big things? Yeah. So we're, we're near Lake Naomi and that's what a huge selling point of the Poconos market is, is most HOAs are centered on a, a community lake. Everyone gets to use. You got some communities have sandy beaches. Um, there's a lot of things for, for everyone to go do and events set up by the HOA. And uh, here there's hiking trails, not too far off. The lake's a short walk ski resorts, 20 to 40 minutes away, depending on which of the five major ski resorts you're looking to go to. So we have a lot of things to do. And, and most, most rentals in the Poconos will kind of fall in that same category. You'll have a lake nearby. You'll be close to the ski skiing action. Um, if you want to go out there and, and hit the poles and the slopes and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Yeah. There's, there's ski resorts everywhere. There's just whatever you want to go to the Poconos for you're You're pretty much there no matter where you really are. Um, pretty close by. Um, were these ready, like turnkey, or did they need a little bit of furniture, a little bit of rehab? What was going on there? Yeah, so these guys were completely turnkey, which is how we usually try to source our short-term rentals up in this market. Uh, like we talked about earlier, if you can get something that's already furnished and only needs maybe a, a mild update in decor, um, you're getting in with a much higher cash-on-cash -cash leverage. Uh, and if it's turnkey, otherwise, if the place already looks sick to you, um, Mike, I'm not going to talk to how handy you are. But personally, I only know enough to know what a contractor should be charging me. I maybe changed three light bulbs in my whole life. I am not great with this stuff. But what I do know is when things look pretty, um, they do bring guests in. So if you can find something that already looks good, has the furniture in place, um, these did. I knew they would hit with guests. Um, they had pretty good revenues in the past couple of years. But this, this past year, I think we shattered those, those prior revenues out of the water. Absolutely wild. Um, can we speak on the nightly rate and then the weekend rate typically? Yeah. So for most of your Pocono market, you're going to get a much bigger variance. And when you guys are out there looking at the data, um, be very mindful of this. They're aggregating data from all types of listings, things that are not professionally managed, um, things that are very professionally managed. So you got to make sure you're looking at comparables for your stuff. Uh, but what I will say is you're going to see uh, on these data aggregate sites that they're showing a pretty slim difference in weekday and weekend rate. Maybe you'll see 
250 or 350 for a weekday, depending on your unit. And then only 400, 450, like a, maybe like a 20% increase. That's not true at all. You guys, um, I'd be very careful with that. You're going to see weekdays go anywhere from like 150 to 250, depending on how nice your unit is. And then weekends are going to be 400 to $600. Uh, you make all your money on the weekends. It's, it's really all about making sure that you're catering to that group and you're getting them in there and, and driving eyeballs to your listings. That way you can make your entire mortgage just on those eight weekend days and everything on the weekdays is cash flow. Totally. Yeah. And for anybody curious, how are you, how are you getting these numbers? Are you, what sort of software are you using? Yeah. So I use price labs. Uh, my underwriting has changed remarkably in the years that I've been doing this. Um, what I used to do is I used to go and take data in the per different percentiles. So if I thought my listing was like super kick-ass, I would do 75 to 90 percentile, which for you guys out there listening means these are the numbers that are getting booked. And these are the top 25 to 10% of listings. You're trying to fall in that range, knowing that you're pretty good. Um, you don't ever want to compare yourself to just the best one. That's uh, those are big shoes to fill. And even though you might, um, you don't want to bank on it. So I try to go somewhere in the, in that lower mix. If my unit is just half decent, I think I just got a really good value play. Um, maybe I think I'm just right there in the middle of the pack. I'll use the 50th percentile and how I've kind of really changed up to make sure that everything is on point when it comes to underwriting is I'll look at the comps. You can look at exactly the listings and what they're performing, what their occupancy was, what they have their nightly rates at, set at. You can pull up the Airbnb listing, see the photos. And that way, if I see that maybe I think all my comps are say on the second page out of 20 pages of Airbnb listings, I have a pretty good spectrum of where my listing is going to fall. If I see that all of their houses are the same as mine, but their pictures suck and maybe they don't have a hot tub or maybe they're missing one of the other cool amenities that we have. I know I can underwrite exactly where they're at, what that, that listing was at and maybe even bump the occupancy up a little bit. So when you guys are looking at that out there, make sure you're being very true to the house that you have um, and just try to look at the comps with a full lens and perspective. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great information to know. Um, when we originally ran the numbers on this place, uh, we're, from what we're seeing now, are we seeing that we're making more than we expected, less than we expected, like right around what we did expect? Yeah, sure. Um, real quick, I just want to say to anyone out there who's trying to run numbers and maybe having some difficulty or is just too lazy to do it, uh, send it to us. We will do it. Um, we're happy to help you guys out. You can uh, shoot us emails at info at libertycityliving.com or just DM us on Instagram at live free with Mike. You're at live free with JD and we'll get you hooked up. We'll put a second set of eyes on wherever you're looking to short-term rent. Doesn't have to be in the Poconos, can be anywhere. We're here to help you guys. For these ones specifically, um, what really helped us was the owner's previous financials. I think they reported net operating income of about $150,000. Uh, their gross was somewhere close to 170 to 190 for the past couple of years in that range. Um, they were self-managing and that's why you see such like a slim difference in the margins there. Uh, so we took those with a grain of salt. Um, we did our own numbers. Uh, the, the note that we had to take out on this property was pretty significant being on a 15 year note seller finance. So we knew we had to clear $10,000 in mortgage every month, which if you think about it, 120 NOI is, is your mortgage and anything on top of that is your cash flow. So knowing we had to go in with that uh, perspective, 
we were confident we could hit what they were hitting with, with our management system. Um, and the comps kind of showed very similar. Like we said, there's not much supply in that range, uh, especially finished to that caliber. Yeah. I mean, that pretty much answered it right there. Um, that's, that's pretty much all I got. Um, is there anything else you wanted to, you want to let people know? Yeah. So just to get into this deal a little deeper, we are 11 months in here and we've done $274,000 worth of revenue in the last 11 months, which even if you say we're getting like 50% expenses, we're at a, we're still cash flowing and we're nowhere near 50% expenses. If I had to guess, we might be running 70 to 80% expenses on this. So we've got really significant cash flow. If you guys are looking up in the Poconos, the smaller units are a great place to be. Don't take them all. Um, I don't want to compete with you. I will crush you uh, or I will help you depending on which, which route you pick. So that's kind of where we stand with these guys. Um, we've seen the, the occupancy on these things fluctuate here. I'll just read you guys the months off uh, from inception. 81, 87, 84, 79, 77, 84, 84, 93. And then we're getting closer to today where we're still waiting for some bookings. Um, we're sitting at 64. So as you guys can see, um, the fall and winter months crush. We didn't have a month below 77% occupancy and our average daily, uh, our average nightly rent was 232 throughout this period. And we're talking about studios and one bedrooms, you guys. Wow. So um, if you guys want something hot in the Poconos, make sure you get something that's sexy. Make sure you get something that is a good value. Make sure you get something you'd want to stay in um, that you'd want to send your mother to for Mother's Day. Send her up there with your dad. Have a good time. Uh, and you got the right rental. Yeah, I mean that was a great little uh, little recap. Of everything we talked about there. Um, so house hacking, make it a vacation hack. Get it ten percent. Get it in a sick place like the Poconos. Go there from time to time. Run it out when you're not there. Um, make it a small place. Cash flow a ton on it. Um, and that's pretty much it. Make sure. Yeah, and that's there. that's something to keep in mind, you guys. So. When you get a, a second home vacation rental, the, the purpose is for you to vacation it. You're supposed to stay there 14 days of the year. You can rent it out the other 351. I would highly recommend not staying there on New Year's or Christmas when you're bringing a lot of money. Uh, but what you'll see Mike and I do is we'll go up to the Poconos. We're always trying to check out houses. Um, we'll shoot YouTube videos in, in some of these little bungalows. And what that comes to is short-term rentals are not very populated on weekdays. That's just how it is. Everyone's traveling on the weekends. Tuesday is the worst day of the week. Um, sometimes people will, will extend their weekend through Sunday. Sometimes people will, will take Thursday and throw it into the weekend. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, historically across any market you're in are gonna be a little more difficult to rent out, which for Mike and I, we see as opportunities to go up there and look at some places. Um, and that's kind of how we get our use out of some, a lot of these places up in the Poconos. We bounce around to whatever's vacant. That way we're not losing any revenue or any opportunity to make some money. But if we're, we see it's empty the night before, then why not go use it? Why not live free and enjoy our lives and, and get some good Poconos content? Yeah, totally agree with it. And I love, love doing it all the time. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else from you? Any, any, any tips for the people? You no. Know, uh, just pull the trigger, get moving. If you need help, hit us up. We're happy to help you guys uh, in any market. Um, we're here to see you guys live free. So just uh, make sure you guys subscribe to this channel, check out our YouTubes, and we will catch you guys next time. This is Live Free with JD signing off, probably heading from the beach to the Poconos. <laughs>
See you later, guys.